This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. This afternoon, we're going to talk a little bit about pride. As I seem to do, I seem to give lessons on things that I feel like I have problems with and struggle with. And I, I think that we've probably all dealt with this at some point in time in our lives. Uh, you know, pride can come in many different forms. But, you know, pride isn't just someone that's arrogant or thinks highly of themselves or, or is just stubborn. It's more than that. And I know I've said this before. I, I like when somebody tells me something can't be fixed. It's a challenge to me because I'm going to fix it. I'm going to try to fix it. I want to prove you wrong. You know, it's not, it's not pride to want to fix something for someone. There's no pride in that. But whenever someone says it can't be fixed and I want to fix it just to prove them wrong, well, that's pride. And there have been times that I've done that. Um, if somebody says, well, it can't be fixed, just throw it away. Eh, a brand new one's how much? No, I'm going to try to fix that. And, and a lot of times I've done it just to prove somebody wrong. It wasn't because I wanted, necessarily just wanted to fix it. It's just because I want to prove them wrong. You know, don't tell me it can't be fixed. Don't tell me something can't be done because I'm going to prove you wrong. And my goal is to prove you wrong. And that's pride. And that's something that I've struggled with. Um, I've gotten better at it. I've been able to, you know, control it and sometimes stop it from happening. You know, what really gets me, though, is whenever someone who has no idea what they're talking about tries to tell me how to do something or how to fix something, or they just talk to me like I'm dumb. Man, that gets me mad. I mean, we're talking fumes come out of my ears, fire from my eyes. That's how mad I get. And I know y'all, I don't think many of you have seen me that upset. If my wife was here, she could tell you she's seen me that upset before. But it makes me mad. It makes me, like, they belittle me. And I, I, that's pride, though. Me getting that upset over that? That's pride. So that's why I want to take a little time this afternoon and, and talk about pride. And we're going to look to see what the Bible has to say about it. And we're going to look at some examples and kind of see how pride has entered some people's lives in the Bible. And we're going to look at how we can prevent it from entering our lives. So first, we're going to define pride. Pride, haughtiness, arrogance, the characteristic of one who, with a swollen estimate of his own powers or merits, looks down on others and even treats them with insolence and, con and contempt. I'm sure we can all think of somebody that we've come across who is a definition of that. You know, it can be real uh, hard <laughs> and test your patience to be around someone who has that kind of thought, who's arrogant and thinks so much of themselves that all they can do is talk about themselves all the time or talk down on you. That can be real trying. I, I know it, it bothers me. But as we go through this lesson, we'll see that Christians should stay away from pride and from those who are prideful. So what's the source 
of pride. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world and man-made ideas are the source of pride. You know, I can tell you where my pride stems from. Mine stems from partly because when I was younger, I mean, I guess you could even say it at 40 years old, almost 41. I've, and I've said it before, I I'm not the biggest guy out there. Uh, I've always been a, a smaller person and always felt like I needed to prove myself um, because maybe I wasn't, didn't have the abilities that some of the bigger guys had. And so I felt like I had to put extra effort out to, to prove myself. But another thing that it stems from is from my dad and my brother. And none of y'all ever got to meet either one of them, or meet my brother, I guess. You got to meet my dad, but they would give me something to do, and I'd start working on it. It didn't matter if it was putting up tools or trying to take something apart or, or clean something or whatever it was. A lot of times, they would come up to me, and they'd just take it from me. And it was either because I wasn't doing it the way they wanted me to do it, or I wasn't doing it right, or, or I was taking too, t- too much time to do it. It's taking too long to do it. They just take it away and start doing it themselves. And I'm not saying they did that all the time, but there's a lot of times they did that. And you can imagine how that made me feel. It made me feel like I wasn't capable. It made me feel like they thought that I couldn't do something. And so that, in turn, I guess wasn't that bad. It at least made me stop and pay attention and watch so that I could learn how to do things rather than just grabbing something and trying to figure it out, you know. But the byproduct of that <clears throat> is the, that subconsciously, my dad and my brother doing that, taking things away from me, made me think, like I said, that I wasn't capable of doing those things. So then as I got older, it made me have the attitude of, I'm going to prove you wrong. You think I can't do that? I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's pride. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. Well, Paul's telling us that when we use the Bible as our God and we don't go beyond its principles that we won't have pride. If we stay with what the Bible tells us and stick with its truths, we're not going to have pride. So that shows us that God isn't the source of pride, and it shows us that God's word isn't the source of pride. And that means that pride comes from those things found outside of God's righteousness. Just as I said earlier, the world and man-made ideas are the source of pride. My idea that I have to prove someone wrong didn't come from God. It come from the world. It's something that I let seep into my life to think that I have to prove people wrong. Now, what does the Bible say about pride? And there's quite a few scriptures we got here. So before, before I get into that, I'm just going to say that the Bible doesn't really have anything good to say about pride. I mean, there's, there's not even a little bit of positivity that has to say about pride. So keep that in mind as we go through these. And I'm probably going to read through them kind of quick because uh, there's so many of them. 
1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 13, 10, by pride comes nothing but strife. Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Proverbs 21, 4, a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. Psalm 17, 10, they have closed up their fat hearts. With their mouths, they speak proudly. Psalms 101, 5, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Psalms 119, verse 69, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Psalms 138, 6, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. And Jesus says that pride defiles a person in Mark, Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And then James 4, verse 6, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's pretty evident by reading these verses that God doesn't approve of pride. And and that we risk making it to heaven, or not making it to heaven, if we're prideful people. So let's take a look at several examples of pride and what the results were. We're going to look at the Old Te- uh, some examples in the Old Testament first. And our first example comes from Ahithophel. Now, if you'll remember, we actually had a good lesson on this about a month or so ago from Logan. Um, anyway, Ahithoph- Ahithoph- Ahithophel, who at first was a counselor for David, joined sides with, with Absalom, who's David's son, after Absalom rebelled against his father. So first, Ahithophel told Absalom to go into his father's harem, and he did. Well, so next, he tells, he advised him, advised Absalom to go after his father while he was weak so he could destroy him. Well, Absalom didn't take that advice. And now let's read uh, 2 Samuel verse 17 through 23, and let's see what, what happened with Ahithophel. I didn't mess this up last night, but I did today. We'll see what happens to him and what his pride caused him to do. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself and died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Ahithophel was so prideful that he couldn't stand the fact that Absalom took someone else's counsel over his. He thought so much of himself that he foresaw the ruin of Absalom because he didn't take his advice. And then instead of dying in the hands of David, because eventually that would have happened, he decided to kill himself. I guess the one good thing you can say he did is he went home and he put his household in order. But his pride caused him to commit suicide and kill himself. You know, another example that we have is in Esther. And I'm not going to take the time to uh, read the book of Esther. Matt covered that here not too long ago. Um, Well, in Esther, 
you can read of Haman and how he allowed his pride to get the best of him because he came up with a plot to kill Mordecai and the Jews. And all of this really stemmed from the fact that Mordecai wouldn't bow to Haman. If you were to go read all of that, uh, read Esther, you can see that things didn't end well for Haman because he actually ended up getting hung on the exact gallows that he had made to have Mordecai hung by. It's a little bit ironic, isn't it? The next we have, uh, we're going to look in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And we'll jump down to verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar kind of had it coming for him. I mean, he had Daniel to interpret his dream. And in Daniel's interpretation, he told him, he told Nebuchadnezzar, if he doesn't repent... And praise the one true God, he'll be stricken with the madness that will cause him to wander the wilderness like a beast. So what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He didn't do that, did he? He didn't repent and praise God, and so God did exactly what he said. He made him like a beast in the field, and he ate grass like oxen, and it was, it took him seven years, like I said, the Passover seven times, took seven years before he was able to finally praise God. King Nebuchadnezzar thought he was pretty or thought pretty highly of himself, didn't he? He was a prideful man. And then Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, that's a pretty good example too. It, you know, he almost allowed his pride to keep him from being cleansed of his leprosy. He he had leprosy and he wanted to be cleansed of it and he was told to go down the Jordan and to wash himself seven times in the Jordan River and then he would be cleansed of his leprosy. Well, he thought he knew better. He thought, well, why am I going to the Jordan? Why well, am I not going to one of these other rivers that's clean or cleaner than the Jordan at least? And if it wasn't for his servants, if he hadn't listened to his servants, he may not have done it. But his servants were able to convince him to go down to the Jordan and wash seven times in the Jordan, and then he was cleansed of his leprosy. So I guess you could look at this as a, uh, someone who turned his pride around, uh, just as you could say about King Nebuchadnezzar. So next we're going to look and see some examples 
in the New Testament. And let's look at Herod in Acts chapter 12, verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having, ha- and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Herod was a pretty prideful man himself. You know, if we were actually to take the time and examine and and look over his life, we would see that he was a man that thought a lot of himself. Obviously, we're not going to do that today, but we can see from these verses kind of how arrogant he was. The people of Tyre and Sidon, they wanted to talk to him. So he goes and he sets aside a day in order to do that. Well, he he gets dressed up in this royal apparel, and from some commentaries and research and things that I looked at, that apparel was, uh, was silver. The way I would see it is almost like aluminum foil because whenever the sunlight hit him, it made him glow, you know, almost to make you think he was a god. Um, and some actually think that his intent was to emulate the Phoenician sun god. So when he steps out there and the people see him, They say, the voice of a God, not a man. Well, you could imagine how God felt about that. He wasn't having it. So what did God do? He sent an angel of the Lord to come down and strike him, to strike Herod. And he didn't strike him and kill him. He didn't get struck dead like we read a lot in the the Old Testament. Um, from Josephus' account, says that it caused Herod to have a terrible pain in his stomach for five days. He spent five days in agony before he actually dies, and uh, his bowels were eaten by worms, as it says. But that's how much God doesn't like pride. And I don't know about y'all, but I think I'd just much rather that he strike me dead than to have to go through that for five days and die. Another great example comes from Jesus In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I know we've all heard this parable before. These two men go to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee and one's a tax collector. Well, when the Pharisee prays, he's not humble about it, is it? Is he? He thanks God that he's not like these other people that are perceived to not be good people. And he thought he was better than other people because he, he tithed twice a week, and, or he fasted twice a week, and he gave tithes of all that he possessed. 
But then you have the tax collector. He wouldn't even as much as look up to heaven. But he, he beat on his chest and he said, he says, basically ask the Lord for mercy because he's a sinner. And then Jesus says that, that the tax collector is justified because he was basically because he was humble. And the Pharisee is not justified because he exalted himself rather than the Lord. And if you look at Paul, he was, he was prideful about his Jewish descent, which is actually what kept him from hearing the truth. I mean, it took Jesus himself to break Paul of his pride. You know, we could find some other examples to look at, but now I want to take some time and we're going to look at how we can stay away from pride. Now let's look at um, Matthew 20, 25 through 28. And Jesus called him or called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great, great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This kind of attitude is the kind of attitude that we need to have as Christians. This kind of attitude will help us overcome pride because if we're focusing on our efforts to serve rather than being served, we won't have room for pride, will we? That's when we seem to get ourselves in trouble is when we're focused on ourselves and not other people. And then we'll look at Luke chapter 14, verse 8 through 11. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It says the same thing that we just read a little bit ago. But, you know, imagine this. Imagine going to a wedding, and you've got tables set up for, for family, and you walk in. You're not part of the family. You're a friend of the family. You walk in, and you go sit down at this table that's, for, that's full of family members, and then you're there, I don't know, say 15, 20 minutes, however much time it is. Well, Uncle Bob shows up. And the host comes to you and says, hey, you're not part of the family. You, you go sit over here. Uncle Bob's here. This is his seat. You'd feel a little ashamed, wouldn't you? A little bit awkward having to walk away and go sit somewhere else. But then imagine instead when you come to that wedding, you go and you sit down at the friends table where all the friends are and you're sitting there and you're there 15, 20 minutes and the host comes to you and says, would you come with me? Won't you come sit with the family? They've requested that you sit with them because you're like family to them. That's kind of the same analogy that, that Jesus is giving here. That we need to be humble 
not think of ourselves so highly, but be humbled. Um, so the best way to over Jesus basically is teaching the best way to overcome pride is to always seek to be humble. You know, another place Jesus says, we must be like little children. And if we're not like them, then we won't make it to heaven. You know, as we talked about earlier, Paul was a, a prideful man, but once he was converted to Christ, he put, those, he put that pride behind him. And he teaches us several things about not being prideful. So let's take a look at a few of them. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 5. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We shouldn't have the mindset that we're something great or that we're someone better than anyone else. We shouldn't consider ourselves better than anyone else. Every person in the church has a function, and they have a place in the church. You know, just because one person may lead songs better than another, or, or one person's a great teacher, doesn't make them any better than someone who encourages people or someone who prepares meals for uh, a bereaved family. We're all one body. We just... We serve, may serve different functions. And Paul also gives advice to the rich in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. Not to allow their riches to cause them to fall away from God, but instead to use their riches to serve God. We have to be careful that we don't put our treasures here on earth because we'll end up like the rich young ruler who, uh, who wouldn't give those things up. Uh, because he had too much pride in his riches. He wouldn't give them up to follow Jesus. So we need to remind ourselves daily that our riches are in heaven and not on earth. You know, if I find myself, like I said, with the struggle of uh, fixing things for people. Of You know, I have to sometimes remind myself that I'm here to serve. I'm not here to be raised up oh you fixed that for me thank you so much you're great blah blah which is great it's good to 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 be wanted and to be thanked but whenever i start to think myself of higher than someone else because i've fixed something well that's wrong that's pride and i have to remember that um and i'm not i know people have asked me to fix things and i'm not discouraging anyone to ask me to fix anything for them that's not what i'm saying what I'm saying is that me personally, I have to keep myself humbled and, and not try to, I've got to prove someone wrong. You know, that's my personal struggle. So don't get me wrong when I say those things. But as you can see, the Bible has a lot to say about pride and how, as Christians, we should uh, stay away from it. Because it's a sin and ultimately it could keep us from going to heaven. Now I want to take a look at one last bit of advice from Paul on how we as Christians can keep pride out of our life. That's Philippians chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, 
Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, letting nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. You know, Paul gives us some really solid advice here that will help us or keep us from being prideful. We should strive to be like-minded, have the same love, be of one accord, of one mind, do nothing through selfishness or conceit, be in lowliness of mind, regard others better than yourself, look out for others, and have this mindset because this was Christ's mindset. You know, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, people yelled and shouted insults at him. He saved others. Can he save himself? He is Christ, the chosen of God. Aren't you the Messiah? Hail the king of the Jews. As they laughed and they spat at him. You know, Jesus, what he didn't do, he didn't yell back. He didn't say, I'll show you who's the king of the Jews. I am the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God. You just wait and see. You're going to get yours. He didn't say that, did he? Because he's not a prideful man. He was a humble man. And that's what we need to be. We need to be humble like Christ was. When people say things to us, they antagonize us. We shouldn't holler things back at them because that's your pride stepping in. Wanting to be correct. Kids, you talk back to your parents? Pride. Parents, do you start an argument with your child just to prove you're correct? Pride. Church, do we ever see ourselves as too good to perform certain tasks? Pride. Are we unwilling to ask for help when we know we need it? Guilty. Pride. Do we disregard the advice of others because we know it all? It's pride. How many of us are unable to receive constructive criticism? Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Pride. Not willing to admit when you're wrong? Pride. How about justifying our sin instead of admitting to it? That's pride. You know, what it really comes down to is this. As we can see, pride comes from many different sources. There may be things in your life that you didn't even know come from pride or that are prideful. But I think the bottom line is we need to be humble like Christ was. We need to have, we need to have a, a humble mindset and a servant's heart like Christ did. And that's how we steer clear of pride. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com 
or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.